0: Life-changing events can shatter our dreams and rob us of our happiness. For joy to return, we need God's guidance to find new purpose and discover fresh pathways to meaning. I'd like to tell you this morning a little bit about a pathway that my family went on back in March of 2007. Kendall was pregnant with our twin boys. Her water broke. She was just shy of 32 weeks. We're in the hospital. They said, well, we're going to keep you pregnant. We're like, okay. And she's like, these babies are coming. And they're like, no, ma'am. She's like, this isn't my first child. They're coming. They checked her. Oh, three alarm emergency. Our boys are born. They're born healthy but slightly premature. They were they were three twelve and five ten. Five six. That's why you have a wife to keep those numbers and things straight. But they were three twelve and five six. They spent their first month in the NICU. They were a month old when they came home. Now my boys were born there on March seventh, and so that was on a Wednesday. That Monday, my mother goes to work, of what she had worked for many years at a local car dealership. She goes to work that following Monday, and they said, we don't need you anymore. You can pack your things, and your job here is done. So our babies are in the hospital. My mom loses her job. Just before that, we had a building that we owned. Our tenants gave notice. They moved out. You see, as we're going through all of this, we, we can't see the picture clearly. Amen? There, there's just a lot of things that are unknown. Mom's lost her job. Kendall is on maternity leave. We find out that our boys had myclonic seizures and that she wouldn't be able to go back to the job that she loved. Do you think that was a loss? Yes. She was not grieving a loss. And, and as we've been on the series that we're in, talking about finding the good in grief, loss and grieving is not just the death of a loved one. Amen? It's, it's the change of things in our life. It's the change of a job status. It's becoming empty nesters. It's losing privileges, and, and your health doesn't allow you to do the things that you used to do. And so for us, we could not see it. But at the time, from that, God birthed a gift shop, that we opened it was called More and More Gifts Galore. And what was beautiful about it was Kendall was not able to go back to work. Our boys were not able to be out and about. We weren't out able to go to church. We weren't able to do these things. But God provided. He took an empty building, he took mom being out without a job, he took Kendall without being a job without a job, and boys that needed to be cared for and he turned it into a business in which we could do that, and we could care for our kids, and we could grow that business. And I fast forward really quick. The economy tanked, and my parents held on. Kendall went and found another job. She wound up at the pregnancy center. But the economy tanked. My mom held on as long as she could, and then she just decided, okay, let's just lock the doors. Let's just go home and lock the doors. And I want you to know that even in that, even in just holding on as long as she thought she should hold on, She entered a new season in her life. And she became a caregiver for her mother and for my grandmother. So this morning, if you hear nothing else I tell you, if you will take and you will look at AT AT&T, not your cell phone and not the cell phone company, but AT&T, if you will look at your attitude, if you will begin to trust God, and you will begin to allow time to just... God to have His way in that time. He will provide. Amen? He will provide and He will do things that you never imagined that He might do. So that's how He shattered some dreams and that's how He gave us a new purpose and fresh pathways to meaning. Listen, times of loss and tragedy in our lives will lead us on an unexpected journey through grief. We'll either allow our loss to defeat us or we'll look to God and others for help and guidance through the pain in the process of healing. Friends, I hope that this series has and will continue to be helpful to you and to others. Amen? If I could remind you, we have a sermon series page just like we do all of our messages, but also all of our series. There's a page devoted just to this series of finding the good in grief. All of the messages from this series are on that page. There are resources and books that I referred to. There are some downloads that you can, some resources that I picked up along the way. I would just ask you to go there. It's BibleFellowshipSumter.com. If you need to go back and listen to one of these messages, if you just need to share one of these messages with someone else, I ask that you do that. So I want us to review really quickly about what we have said about grief. Grief is inevitable. Grief is inevitable. It's a journey we must all go on. Grief is personal, and it involves a process. The grieving process takes time and it takes trust. As I mentioned to you a minute ago, as I was studying and preparing this week, that A, T, and T, like I have to have acronyms to remember things. I mean even my wife's own name, I call her KM3. It's basically, and if you've ever seen that written on Facebook, let me just explain. I love acronyms. I don't know why, but that is her first initials. Her her maiden name was Kendall Marie Mullen, and so when we got married, it was Kendall Marie Mullen Moore. So M-M-M, so K-M to the third power, whatever. Don't ask. Don't ask. She's cubed. No, I'm round. She's cubed. I don't know. Anyway, so AT&T, attitude, trust, and time attitude, trust, and time. Man, I tell you what, sometimes I think we just need to check our attitude. Amen? We need to check our attitude when we, when we enter the door. When we enter the door of church each Sunday morning, we need to check our attitude. We need to check our heart. We also need to trust God, and we need to allow Him in His divine nature. To just trust Him and allow, uh, through time, He will show us more. There's a song, there's a hymn I love. Further along, farther along, I'll understand all about it. Amen? There's some things we might not ever understand, amen? We're not God. But listen, as we grieve, we have to trust God and lean on others. If we allow ourselves to live in the illusions of denial, escape, or fantasy, we stray from the pathway to healing. Most importantly, grief requires us, listen, grief requires us to keep walking and keep talking with Jesus. Not just grief, amen, in life in general, that we have to keep talking and keep walking with Jesus. Last week we said this, life is not measured in time, but in moments. Life is not measured in time, but in moments, and we had been looking at moments of grace as we grieve what is a moment of grace a moment of grace are those thoughts that press upon us that we immediately know came from god we said that one exercise that will help us of seeing and processing moments of grace is to have a gratitude journal and what would we do in such a journal well that's simply writing the moments of joy and comfort that we experience as we grieve for the story that I shared with you last week it was a young mother who was battling cancer and for her on a day that she had chemotherapy that she had had a treatment she came home in her moment she asked her husband she's like hey what was your what was this the, what was a moment today where you saw God and he's like what?" And so she she says, well, my moment was following treatment, I saw the birds. And I noticed the birds playing outside the window. It's those small moments, moments of grace. For some of us in 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 our midst this morning, it is having random text. Through losing a child and through, as time went on, they would simply just send a Facebook message or send a text and say, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you today. I'm praying about you. These weren't even people that this person would consider a uh, a friend more more than anything, an acquaintance. Amen? But the fact that they just randomly thought that those were moments of God, moments of grace. For others, it might be a visit, a conversation with a loved one or a friend. And so as we progress towards the finale of our grief series... I want to tell you this morning, I want to start with something Job tells us. Job tells us, my days have passed, my plans are shattered, and so are the desires of my heart. You might be sitting here this morning and that might be you. You might say, oh Job, I can identify, I I can sympathize with what you're saying. But can I also remind you this morning there is hope. There is hope though. Psalm 94 verse 19 says this, When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. The New Living Translation says this, When the doubts fill my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. I'd like for you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the New Testament Uh, We're going to be in Philippians for a few moments this morning, and I'd like for you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. So if you'll find Romans and 1st, 2nd Corinthians, then you have the uh, smaller letters of Paul. So you'll have a Galatians, uh, Ephesians, and then Philippians. And so if you'll find Philippians chapter 4, also I take this as a pause for a moment of uh, identification as radio stations do if you didn't hear me give you that pathway There's a nice little handy thing in the front of your bible. Don't forget to use it. It's called a table contents page. Amen I have to use it from time to time. Don't don't think oh my gosh the person next to me thinks i'm You know lost and going to hell because I turned to the table contents page man. It's in your bible It's there for a reason use it. Amen So I want us to look at philippians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 11 And just listen to what the word of the Lord says. Lord, may your words speak. Not that I am speaking of being in need. This is Paul. It says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And there we find the verse that many of us probably know or have heard. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Look back with me, if you will, into verse um, 4 of chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus give you some homework this week regardless of whether you're grieving if you're wanting to grow in your faith I encourage you to read verses 8 through 9 there are there are eight things in that verse starting in Philippians 4 8 you want to grow in your walk with Christ you want to begin to reflect Christ more in your life read those verses and ask yourself, is it true? What what you're about to say, what you're about to do. Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it just? Morally right? Is it pure? Is it loving? Is it commendable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? What a litmus test, amen? In front of my Bible, those questions are there. Do I accomplish this every day and in every conversation and every person that I meet. No. But it's there to to remind me, amen? It's there to call me back to, whoa, maybe you missed the mark here, buddy. Thank God for those in my life who will tell me I missed the mark, amen? Sometimes I don't like to hear it, but I need to. Listen, our journeys, whether it's spiritual or through grief, are not traveled in straight lines. John Baguette, in his book, Finding the Good in Grief, Rediscovering Joy After a Life-Changing Loss, which was kind of the, one of the cornerstone things outside of the Bible that I used in preparing this series. He says this, We wander from one stage of grief to another, meandering back and forth, occasionally in circles. Have you ever done that in life? Right? I want to remind you this morning, as we've said in one of the previous messages, and I've reminded you several times, you don't go straight through the stages of grief, amen? It's not linear. It's not, okay, oop, I can check that off, now I'm going to stage two. Check that off, now I'm going to stage three. No, you might be here, and you might have to go back, and you'll go in and out of those stages of grief. It's not linear, and it's not a checklist. Listen, if we come to know acceptance... It may be because we have experienced a calling in the midst of our grief that has transformed us from victims of terrible events to agents of change. That's what this message is all about. So such life-altering calls generally come in one of two ways. Listen, the transformation of our anger into a passion for righting wrongs. Or the transformation of our personal sorrow into empathy for those whose agony is similar to our own. I want you to think this morning about Moses. In the book of Exodus, we we learn that Moses killed an Egyptian who had been beating a Hebrew slave. As a result, Moses fled. He fled for his life. He had a privileged life. And he ended up living in exile for decades in the land of Midian. The Bible makes it clear that the plight of his Hebrew brothers and sisters in Egypt, which continued to worsen, weighed heavily on Moses' heart. In his burning bush experience, Moses heard God's call to return to Egypt, a mission that would expose him to great personal danger. Moses answered God's call. For Moses, a journey that had began as anger at the treatment of Hebrew brothers resulted in the loss of a privileged life and important relationships. But later, that anger and personal tragedy became a calling to free an entire nation from the suffering of slavery and change the course of events for God's people. So I want to ask you this morning, how are you going to find new meaning and purpose in times of grief? How are you going to find new purpose and meaning in times of grief? Last week, we kind of gave you the beginning of that answer. It was this. It was a sample prayer. It was a simple prayer. Lord, open my eyes, my ears, my heart, my mind. Right? It might be praying, Lord, give me the eyes to see. Give me the ears to hear. A heart that accepts your love, your will, that does not become hardened. A spirit that is in tune with yours. You know, how do you go from discovering new meaning and new purpose? There's a gentleman who took his wife to try to get help. She was battling some mental issues. And and just struggling with a lot of things. And he took her, tried to take her to get help. And they turned her away. She committed suicide. But you know what? Her husband didn't let that just end there. He began to fight for change. Amen? He knew that what happened to his wife was not right. And that other people should not have to go through what he did. And so he turned his agony, he turned his grief, he turned it and he began to make a difference with it. Amen? Sometimes in our life, sometimes with our losses, that will happen. I want to share another story with you this morning, one that you might not have heard of, but you or your loved ones might have experienced. There's a young man by the name of Louis Blackman. He was a healthy, gifted 15-year-old from Columbia and he underwent elective surgery at MUSC in 2000. He had four days to live when he entered the hospital there at the Medical University of South Carolina, the Children's Hospital there in Charleston. In one of the state's most modern hospitals at the time, he bled to death over 30 hours while those caring for him missed signs that he was in grave peril. Following his death, his family was grieving, if you can imagine. And his mother, she became an advocate. She fought for change. Her grief helped her find new meaning and purpose in life. She went to, her thing became, she wanted to help move the needle for other patients and for other families. And in June 2005, the Lewis Blackman Hospital Patient Safety Act became law in South Carolina. How do I know this? Because I work at Prisma Health Toomey Hospital. The Lewis Blackman law, we're aware of that. What does it do? What did that change do? You're, as, as one article I read, you're never going to take human error out of the equation. But what, what, Mr., what that young man, Mr. Blackman, Lewis Blackman, his death did was it established protocols and procedures to keep things from happening like his death. You're never gonna take it out, right? We're all human. We're not God. But listen, from his death, simple things began to go into place. You can read his story if you Google him, but basically the three things that the act, the law put into place is that all employees of the hospital have name badges that have at least their first or their part like me, it could be C dot more. But it has their name and it has what they do, so that people understand who is helping them. It also means that there's written information provided when you go into the hospital. This Lewis Blackman Act. You, if you've had a procedure or you've had a loved one in the hospital, you've come across that since 2005. There's literature. There's things that is information that's provided of how you are to who's helping you and how to ask questions. And most importantly. The Lewis Blackman law, it gave patients the right to ask for their attending physician, right? So it put these things into place. So here is a mother who lost a child, but she took that loss of a child and she, she used it for good. Amen? She became an advocate. One article I read said that she was the first person outside of health care to sit on this particular board. Why? Because she was passionate. She took her grief. She took what she had gone through. She had empathy for others. And she wanted to make sure that others didn't experience what her family did. Or at least that she stopped some of that. Amen? So I ask you this morning, what is it that you've been through in your life that God wants to use for good? You might ask it this way, what experience with suffering have you had that God can use for good? In Romans 8.28, we see all important verse that I'm pretty sure that you hear. And I have to be reminded of. And I want to remind you of this morning. Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to to his purpose all things work together for good does that mean that it's going to be joyous does that mean that we're going to have a hiccup free life that has no drama and has no heartache no but if we will seek god if we will love him if we will draw near to him all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose Can I remind you of this too that some people have become famous because of their efforts on behalf of their causes like the Lewis Blackman law right his name is forever in that in the healthcare arena the Lewis Blackman law if you're working in South Carolina you know about that you know that what you're supposed to do but for others whose grief has been transformed who has been transformed into a calling they're ordinary people they're ordinary people who receive little or no recognition for their efforts. They use their God-given talents and skills as best they can to help bring about change. Listen, a calling is not always a grandiose cause. Amen? It might simply be taking meals to the sick or the homebound or transporting others for medical appointments. It doesn't have to be done in the grand things. Just as I told you this morning of Miss Elaine. You know what? Some Sunday she misses. And I hate not seeing her back there. But you know what I encourage her when she leaves? She found community. She found she found what we're supposed to be about, about finding fellowship with those ladies in her Sunday school class. But this morning, I stand before you because, her, like her, she doesn't feel probably well. She doesn't feel like going out and serving, but she's going to because why? God has placed that on her heart. To go and she's going to help... Help her sister get a meal, and then she's going to comfort a family who has lost a loved one. Amen? So just because you don't show up on Sunday morning, I'd much rather see that, see empty, because I know that she's doing good versus some people, they sit out because it was going to rain today. Or they over, you know, they've overdone it. There's some people, Mr. Robert has come, and he said... I didn't feel like coming this morning, but I knew I had to come. Thank God for men like Him who do come, who push through that. We have to do that in our life and walk with Christ. A life-changing loss can cause us to rethink our priorities in life. And so I want to ask you as we begin to kind of wind towards the end, what do you want your priorities to be for the foreseeable future. Can I remind you of something too that I've said? As you go through a time of grief, as you go through a time of loss, don't make major changes right away. Amen? Don't, it's not a time to make major changes in your life. I want to close this morning by reading something that John Baguette wrote. He says this, Grief can be good because it softens the blow and eases our pain until such a time as we are better able to cope with it. Grief releases the intense emotional pressure within that threatens to do long-term damage to our emotions and bodies. Grief forces us to struggle for a time with our questions our anger, our guilt, our sorrow, so that we might reach the day when we will be free from the power over us, from their power over us. Grief can be good because it sensitizes us to the suffering of others, awakens empathy, and calls us to respond in service to the needs of our neighbors. And no matter how horrific a tragedy is, Grief can become good. Grief can become the means by whereby God transforms evil in this world into good. At a profoundly personal level, grief also can be good because it leads us to more mature faith and deeper spiritual experience, transforming our anxieties about living into genuine contentment and guiding us towards living each day in the reality that God is is good all the time. May our prayer be in times of grief or in any stage of our life, Lord, what do you want me to see? Lord, what do you want me to see? And he says this, if we can see our journeys of grief through the eyes of faith, we will see important lessons to be learned. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for this series. Lord, thank you for what you've taught me about grief and loss, so that I may minister better to those around me, so that it may help me in my time of grief and loss. Lord, I'm here because of loss. Father, I pray today that if there's one here this morning that is struggling with grief, is struggling with loss, as Jimmy prayed this morning, one he knows two people that are struggling with losing a loved one. Father, we have those in our own midst that have lost loved ones. Father, I pray that you would comfort them I pray that you would see, that they would seek you, Lord. That they would they would journal, they would read, they would spend time in your presence, and just pray, Lord, give me the eyes and ears to see and to hear those moments of grace. Father, thank you for those in this series, through this series, that have shared their story with grief and with loss. Father, we I thank you for them sharing. I thank you that it reminds us that we're not alone. And so, Father God, I pray that as we leave this place, that we would draw near to you. And not just look at our faith as being something that we could check off on Sunday morning at eleven AM. But Lord, may we have a living and active faith. And allow your word to always be active in our hearts and our minds. Father, I pray for those that will be traveling. Pray you give them traveling mercies. We thank you for answered prayers. We thank you for healing. Lord, we pray for our shut-ins. We pray for those that are grieving. Lord, we pray that we would come around them, love, and serve them well. May we comfort them. God, as you have comforted us. Father, we thank you for all your many blessings. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.